Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. So, Dr. Vo, um, one interesting, maybe personal conversation I had with with Nick, actually, um, was that he um, tries to be more of a producer of social media than a consumer. Mm. And I thought that was an interesting concept. But since then, I've become even more and more interested in the ways uh, our clients use social media, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, some of these things, Um, especially Throughout COVID, I've noticed some really interesting social media habits that my clients pick up and practice quite regularly that I often encourage them to examine. Um, Do you ever talk about social media with your clients Mm -hmm. at all? You do? For sure. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's their how they use it, right? That could potentially be helpful, constructive, or like a source of angst, a source of tension. Yeah, I think that's the key is it's mm-hmm. how you use it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we'd talk about ways in which um, we've seen our clients use social media that may be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm also game to talk about the the healthier uses of social media, but in particular habits that um, maybe you've seen clients practice that um, don't exactly lend themselves to good mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And I think this is um, related to what we talked about in a previous podcast, in that um, they may initially use, um, you know, scroll through whatever platform they're using, but they're scrolling through. And at first it may be kind of innocuous and kind of harmless. It's just, I don't have anything else to do. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Yeah. But then, um, and this is where the habitual use pattern of use can then come in, right? If then it starts out pretty harmless, I don't have anything to do. Let's see what's going on. If then the habit is, um, oh gosh, that person's having fun. Oh gosh, that person just um, received another award or another promotion or, um, I haven't received any of those. I haven't done anything for a while. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, um, it highlights the, the, the potential contrast between you and others. And now, now as you're standing there, now there's a contrast, what you do with that, right. Um, can really demarcate, is this helpful or, or not? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting thing that, you know, um, well, I'm old, and so um, I, di- I didn't grow up comparing myself to the world. But man, can kids do that now? Mm-hmm. And can people do that now, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we didn't have social media, we maybe compared yourself to your friend or the kid across the street or someone at school or on your sports team or something like that. But you didn't have four million people to compare yourself to. Right. Yeah, constantly. And mm-hmm. and out of those 4 million people, someone's having a good time when you're not. Sure. Um, so there's always this like steady stream of look at people who are doing or having more fun than I am or doing better things or, or whatever it is. So um, so this is one way. It seems like a, a lot of clients will use social media to make comparisons mm-hmm. about their life to other people's lives. Sure. Um, and of course we all know that social media tends to be the highlight reel of people's lives. You're not capturing the moments and posting them that are painful or, or, or boring or whatever it is. It's like, Hey, I, I went here, you know, and sure. you see the highlight of, of a moment 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So comparisons are a brutal way to, to kind of uh, damage your mental health on social media sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you're always kind of making these comparisons to, um, uh, or looking for evidence that other people are doing better than you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I like what you said too about, um, you know, the the habits that you develop around social media are really important. Um, I know we talked about, or we've had conversations just around the office about how thought patterns, you know, you can use this as a metaphor, uh, social media for thought patterns. Because yep. the things that you look up all the time and mm-hmm. that you're checking out, it's kind of like your thought patterns where you, if you're in the habit of making comparisons constantly to other people, um, yeah, you're probably going to do that online as well. Right. Yeah. So it's just another way for you to practice a really unhealthy kind of evaluative pattern mm-hmm. for yourself. Yep. Just as there are endless topics and places that your mind can go to, there's endless yeah. <laughs> contents, right, on, yeah. on, on social media. So, yeah, I often kind of talk to clients about that. Like, can we use that as a metaphor? Can we use that as more mm-hmm. of a, a framework for you to better understand, observe, and, and, and have a better handle on how your mind works, right? And yeah. just as social media, you can easily, uh, maybe not necessarily easily, but, but there is a choice, right? It is possible, feasible for you to choose to use it differently. Mm-hmm. You can also choose to um, change the, the processes, the functioning of your mind, where it goes, what it does um as well yeah i you know i encourage clients to sometimes look at their like suggested for you feed Mm -hmm. because the algorithm is kind of looking at what you're doing and saying hey they like this let's show them more of that right and so if you can step back in a mindful sort of way if we're going to use that metaphor to look at like what am i filling my head with you know it's it's an interesting um kind of thing because you can say man i look at a lot of car um, pages on mm-hmm. here. I must be really into cars. I think about cars a lot, right? And I think about all the cars I don't have, and then I end up on here feeling very envious and frustrated and ticked off at the car prices or whatever it is. And and so to step back and realize, wow, you know, I'm getting. I I, I tend to do this a lot. You mentioned another thing too, um, which is boredom. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people. Um, you know, I constantly talk to my clients about paying attention to what happens to their mind when they come up to a red light and the light just turned red right. and they've got two or three minutes, right? As as a way to kind of be mindful or practice mindfulness and kind of pay attention to where your mind goes. Does it go to your to-do list? Does it go to your like, here's why my kid's a, a jerk and I want to kick him out of the house? Where, where does your mind kind of go? Right. And most all of my clients nowadays will say, oh, I pick up my phone. Right. And, and I think that's fascinating that we're conditioning ourselves in times of boredom to pick up that phone and not be bored anymore, to mm-hmm. try to stimulate our brain somehow. Right. Yeah. What do you make of that? Um, and then therefore, now you're like um, contributing to the atrophy of your ability to <laughs> kind of generate your own entertainment and stimulate right. atrophy, <laughs> right? Because atrophy. now you've just trained up that muscle. You've made it more... Um, uh, uh, primed, right? Like more likely for you to just like go to an external source. It's like a classical conditioning. Yes. It is classical conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, when you pull it to the stoplight and grab your phone, that is classical 
conditioning. And the, the thing that's happening there, I think, is that reaction to a little boredom or a little downtime, right? We are conditioned now to pick up that screen and start scrolling. And I think you're right. There's an atrophy of the brain. <laughs> Not only that, but we start to see boredom as aversive mm-hmm. rather than inert. It is now aversive to people right. to have empty space and empty time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. that would be one of my bigger soapboxes about social media is is what it's done to our relationship with boredom um and how it's creating kind of an allergy to boredom mm-hmm. i think a lot of the time yeah or this this idea that we should constantly be stimulated by some kind of outside um visual cue right somehow mm-hmm. yeah yeah or that we have to do something with yeah. the content yeah that we can't whatever just sit it here. is yeah right oh scary to me mm-hmm. i don't know why but that makes me nervous <laughs> that we're becoming so um uh, unwilling to be bored a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah um i do in some ways deliberately i don't know how well i'm doing it but with my kids right i do deliberately try to limit some types of toys etc and i try to get them um toys that are more immersive that you can do with another person uh-huh. that it's more hands-on and experiential right um in that it's more like ambiguous so it's not as though it's a car you or you can only do, do so many things with a car versus a block it can be a spaceship or <laughs> right, a doll right. or use your imagination yeah whatever it yeah. is right um as a way to help stimulate that ability to kind of um, inherently know that I am in control, I'm in charge of what I make of this thing that's in front of me, mm-hmm. um, as well as the choice to not have to make it out to be anything either. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's hard, I think, as a parent, because you do realize that kids are going to just be in front of screens more and more and more and more. I mean, that's just kind of the way of the world, it looks like, that, mm-hmm. that technology is going to be just an inherent part of life. So you want them to be good at that? And, and to be able to function with that. But then you also don't want them to be allergic to boredom. Right. And and, and to be able to use their imagination or focus their attention. I, I, I've just noticed it's it it's just harder to like read a book. You know, my mind almost wants to pick up my phone every 10, 15 minutes and check it out. Um, so sometimes even when I'm reading, I can, I'll notice myself kind of looking at my phone. What time is it? What's going on? Oh, uh-huh. someone's so texting me. And then pretty soon I'm like, wait, I'm reading <laughs> a book. What am I doing? You know? Right. Um, but I think it is a lot of that classical condition to boredom. Maybe. Mm, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Does this worry, this doesn't worry you as much. When I brought this topic up, I kind of felt like you were like, this isn't a, what, what are we talking about here? Um, it, it, it worries me. Does it? <laughs> I'm older than you, so you're like, oh, this old man wants to talk about I'm social media. I'm not that younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, another point to bring up, like if, I'm u- if you're using um, uh, social media and how and the usage of that, right, um, as a metaphor for like how and the framework for how your mind works too, right, another tip or thing to con- kind of consider too is being able to recognize um, what's uh, like clickbait, what's designed to be sensational, mm. what's designed to catch your attention, sometimes by, by, by curiosity and content, like, oh, that seems interesting, or sometimes it's um, physically designed to appeal to your senses. Like, it's loud, it flashes, right, to get your attention. Yeah. So being able to kind of catch that and code that is nothing more than, uh, you know, someone designed 
for this to be as attention grabbing as possible for me to click on it. But mm, have I gone through this enough to know that it's just going to be a time suck, right? Yeah. It's going to be um, um, really uh, unhelpful, waste of time, I'm going to feel icky afterwards, that kind of thing. Being able to just recognize, I've been through this enough, probably kick clickbait not going there scroll down for something else that might be more um more fruitful more productive more nurturing yeah enhancing healthier yeah to be able to recognize clickbait uh, and when we talked about this topic before you had mentioned this as a metaphor for thinking too mm-hmm. where some thoughts that are just unproductive yeah. and, um, and you know you can kind of label those as clickbait yes like you just don't need to entertain those things for yep. very long at all and recognize them for what they are mm-hmm. i yep. like that a lot. i i tend to you know for a client uh for instance i tend to just kind of go into like the regret thing so then I start digging up the past and I could have done this I could have done that well that's your clickbait it's it's low-hanging fruit like you do that right and so just being able to recognize this yep yep it's very attention grabbing it's like I'm over here come over here click here right and just being able to go yep clickbait not going to end up anywhere that I want to be right then reshifting your attention onto something else yeah well and, and, and nothing illustrates that more than that kind of outrage algorithm right yes. where a lot of things that that show up online are designed to kind of get you to be angry mm-hmm. and get you upset and frustrated and tend to be very clickbaity kinds of headlines and, and things like that that are um, meant to capture your attention and get you your eyes on screen but don't really add a lot to your life at all mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um some of my clients that will look at social media when they do that comparison kind of thing I, I try to draw their attention to the fact that when their mind makes those comparisons, they just feel worse about themselves mm-hmm. and that it doesn't exactly inspire them to go do and share the, the things that they are, that, 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 that they do on a daily basis, right? you know, and to because try to shift default, their attention. It pales to what they're seeing, right? Right. Yeah. Right. That, that comparison kind of ends there. Right. And the takeaway is other people have a better life than I do rather than looking for what parts of my life might I share with my friends, right. you know? Um, and so even though they're, they're seeing sunsets and they're watching their kids play and they're doing all those things, they're not sharing because their mind isn't attuned to that. Right. Their analysis ended with other people have better lives than mine. Um, right. So sometimes I actually try to encourage clients to look for opportunities to share if, if, if they want to. Um, because it does start their minds thinking in a different direction of like, oh, I am here. I could share this. I, I am experiencing some of these things that would be fun to post mm-hmm. um, rather than just kind of repeating this narrative all day that their lives are way more boring than everybody else's. Sure. Turns out that's probably not exactly true. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Um, uh, an additional thing, I guess, is just... Um, Again, metaphor for how your mind works and how you want to retrain that, right, Um, is to that once you're able to kind of recognize some of the clickbaits, I don't want to go there, not wasting time, um, uh, this may reveal my lack of knowledge (laughs) around how social media actually works. I've just recently gotten on (laughs) (laughs) after all these years. Um, But my basic understanding is there's an option to like unfollow, unfollow certain people, um, unfollow, disengage from certain feeds, right? Or groups, et cetera. Once you start recognizing that those are clickbaits, those are really attention grabbing. I could easily go there, but like, what does it do for me? Right. And then maybe 
um, and, and here's the choice, right? Choosing to, I could go there, but it mm, doesn't get me what I want. Let's go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And one way to do that is to disengage, to unfollow, right? Um, um, not to block, because I understand there is a function of like blocking, right? Because we also don't want your ability to just choose what to invest your energy on by just um, like circumstance. Well, because I don't see the feed, I don't see the person, then therefore it's out of sight, out of mind, so I should be good, right? Yeah. Um, so more of just being able to exercise that choice to like, not helpful to me, I'm choosing to redeploy, reallot and distribute my attention and efforts to other places that are more helpful. Oh, I like that. Go ahead and use that option to unfollow. Yeah. Yeah, why not? You know? But not as a way to suppress or like prohibit. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're saying once you've defined that as unhealthy yeah. and, and not contributing to your your uh, well-being, you might as well choose to unfollow. Yep. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Dwayne and I really appreciate you listening to our podcast. Please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Instagram. And if you have any questions or comments or topic ideas that you'd like us to consider, please let us know in the comments section or in a comment on Instagram. Thank you. Bye.